Welcome to Raptors Rapture. On today's pod, I brought on contributor Matthew Stocko. We discussed the re-signing of Fred Van Vliet, the decision to not extend Lucas Nogueira, the qualifying offer, and of course, the LeBron James free agency and how that will impact the future of the Eastern Conference moving forward. Let's kind of just go ahead and get into it. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is the Raptors news is Fred Van Vliet signs to a two-year, $18 million deal. What were your thoughts on that? So, I mean, I wasn't surprised, uh, you know, when, you, you know, when you're watching Waj and Charms and all those guys kind of breaking the, breaking the rumors and breaking everything, you didn't really hear much about any other teams interested or at least even trying. And who knows what Van Vliet's reps behind the scenes were really saying or, or really, or really doing, but it's clear. I mean, I, I mean, on the one hand for me as a, as a fan, I'm really happy to see the Raptors having more success, even with, you know, Serge Ibaka, even though it necessarily hasn't worked out as well, or DeRozan, Van Vliet, people wanting to re-sign and wanting to continue to be with the Raptors, I think is a, is a fantastic step forward for the franchise, especially from the, from the, you know, the, the 2000s through the 2010 era when we lost so many people due to free agency, it, it's great to see people wanting to stay. I think it's a real big testament to Masai Ujuri and really trying to build out that culture half. Um, you know, the, you, you know, another thing I'm really happy about is I was super worried about how expensive they, you know, Van Vliet might be and Ujuri and the Raptors as a whole do have a history of potentially overpaying for people and whether that's due to Canadian tax purposes or just having to incentivize the pot more so that someone will want to come. I think either way, uh, you know, the deal is pretty good and, uh, and, uh, in terms of finances. I know it puts them into the luxury tax, but I mean, I don't think anybody would be surprised if it was the last move that the Raptors make uh, throughout the year and then, and or throughout the summer, sorry, to, to shed salary to get back under the luxury tax. And I mean, also at the same time, uh, Van Vliet is a vote, is a vote for the future, but he's also a vote for the two years. Another thing that I thought was interesting is that it's a two year contract, uh, and not longer. And, 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 and who knows if Van Vliet felt that he could command more or if the Raptors were saying, Hey, maybe, maybe there's an opportunity for you to make more, take the shorter term deal and we have this big reevaluation period where we're going to have a lot of salary coming off the books in two seasons from now. Uh, who knows what we can see? Uh, did you were were you happy with the signing at all? Did you feel that it could have potentially been better? Did you even want to see Van Vliet back with the team? I was ecstatic. I thought that nine million per year was on the low end of what he was going to receive. I thought that we would see a little more, and you're right, we didn't hear any rumblings of teams interested, um, except Phoenix. I think that there was some talk kind of at the end that Phoenix could jump in at the last second and offer a deal that was kind of backloaded. But I think that it was an amazing deal for the Raptors. When you kind of look around at the guys that Rajon Rondo got about that same dollar amount for the Los Angeles Lakers, I don't think it's even a question of who you'd rather have on your team not only this year, but moving forward is Fred Van Vliet. And you got one year, 15 for Trevor Ariza. Will Barton made more than Fred Van Vliet. Those are guys, well, with the exception of Ariza, who's older in a different situation. But I think Fred Van Vliet's a better player right now than Will Barton. And I think that the Raptors got a bargain for him. Um, I was surprised it wasn't a little longer. I would think that the Raptors would 
want a longer deal because you think you can get a bargain and Fred being undrafted never making a, kind of a big salary would want the more secure deal. It surprised me that it was two years, but overall I thought that it was a bargain signing for them and I'm really glad that they brought him back at that price. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you. Love Fred on the team. I think he's fantastic for the team as well. I think he's just a he's the right fit. Um I mean you can't I mean the personal side of me is like love to see a guy who really, you know, to go back to the bet on yourself motif, really did bet on himself, took a took some risky chances that not many players would take and and is uh, you know really believed in himself and has really brought brought himself to a point which is fantastic. I'm also really excited to see how he can thrive under a Nick Nurse offensive system. I feel like he's somebody who who has a really high basketball IQ and really sees the court really well. Uh, it, you know, and he'll be able to really pick players and he's his three became more and more deadly as the season went on last year. So to have that see that confidence continue to build I think will be great as well. Yeah, 41% three-point shooter. And again, I just can't get over the value. If you look around the market, you get the Pacers signed Doug McDermott for $7 million per year. Jeremy Grant gets $9 million per year. Um, guys, Bellinelli's getting $6 million per year. The fact that you got Fred Van Vliet, who is the sixth man of the year candidate, placed third among them, he comes back to you two years, doesn't really even test the market. Um I think it's an absolute home run win for the, the Raptors. And like I said, I wish it would have been longer because I'm that big of a believer in Fred Van Vliet. But overall, I, I just think it's a home run. Definitely. I, 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 for Fred, I think that great – it's so amazing to watch him get into the paint and be able to create space for himself. You know, it, it, it's impressive that his blow by his blow by techniques are obviously not as refined as someone like DeRozan's, but he 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 finds space for himself. Really uses his shoulders and his body to take contact so extremely well that it it really just helps his game as a shorter player. That uh, yeah, I mean I mean definitely a, a fantastic asset to the team and most and in other seasons. Like going back to your earlier point that you know third third and sixth man of the year voting doesn't usually means a pay raise, especially in a contract year to, uh, or, and I mean, I know he's getting a pay raise, but even a higher salary. So again, the Raptors prove, and you know, hopefully Bobby Webster had a big hand in this, that they understand how to negotiate within the financial confines that they, ha- that they have. And it, it's exciting. It, it's exciting to see what they're going to do next. And I really, and I'm really interested to see what they're, you know, next move is. Do you think there was anybody that has been taken already that would have been a great addition to the team that, like, that that you're sad to see is on a different team? No, there's nobody that jumps off the page. Um, Marco Bellinelli, I think, would have been a nice fit. Um, He got more uh, in San Antonio than what we could offer, so I understand him taking that there, and obviously San Antonio is a great organization. There's nobody that really flies off the page as I thought that this guy would be a great Raptor. I think our team is already so deep that a lot of these guys that you can get with the taxpayer mid-level, it's not even certain that they're going to be in the lineup next year. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not even sure if you can get a rotation player at this point, um, which kind of goes back to do the Raptors need to consolidate their assets. Um, I'll say the biggest thing, and maybe they're not done moving, there's absolutely... No guarantee that they'll be a tax team next year, but I think 
I've always been under the assumption that Toronto will not be a tax team next season, and for the first time I'm starting to kind of question that and think that we may actually be a luxury tax team. Wow. That wow, yeah, that that's very interesting. Do you do you think that I mean, I mean for me I get a little nervous about that just because you know, going back to the whole Raptors versus the media thing, and I and, and I don't like to play into it either, but you know, if the Raptors perhaps don't have as much success, something goes wrong, something happens, you know, there could be that whole oh, and they're a oh, and they're a luxury team, uh, uh, you know, narrative that goes along with it. And I, for one, I, I for one, hope they're kind of not a luxury team. But uh, again, that's that that's really placed on their ability to either move Norman Powell or Serge Ibaka, really. Well, I think the. Next year will be much easier to get under the tax than it is this year. I think right. if you're getting under the tax this year, it's, you're going to have to get rid of some significant assets. Mm -hmm. um, it's not unreasonable for teams that are the Raptors' quality or even worse to pay the tax. Last season, the Oklahoma City Thunder paid the tax. Um, the Washington Wizards paid the tax. And Oklahoma City is going to be a repeater tax team this year, and I'm not sure that they're going to have any more success than Toronto will. I think rather than give up the asset, you pay one year of the tax, and then next year when the guys are expiring, you can get under. Um, I don't want to sell low on Norman Powell. I think this is the absolute lowest his value will be. Um, I think the price to get off Serge Ibaka is too hard in this market. I think it will be easier next year when he's an expiring deal, and there's a lot more money to go around next year than there is right now. I love that out. I love that outlook. <laughs> I, uh, you know, you, you know, and maybe that's true because, it. I mean, Oklahoma City, they they kind of un it. They kind of, you know, weren't as impressive as they were, and now the West has gotten even more competitive than it was before too. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, as long as, as long as as long as we're not going even deeper deeper into the tax, unless we're getting Kawhi Leonard, then I think then I then I think you're right. Then everything's good. Yeah, I, I don't think that we're going to be a heavy tax team, but I no. think if you're $13 million over and you pay that, I don't think that's an unreasonable price to pay. And it's not like Toronto hasn't had good crowds and great attendance over the past couple of years. Um, you know, they've been a good, a, a pretty good-sized market team, and they've kind of built up some some money here. I think that it's reasonable to spend a year into the tax and then – with the understanding that we'll spend one year in the tax, but then it's time to get back down under it until we're a real contender. Yeah, and and uh, do you think do do you think there's anything to the two year piece of this deal? Like, do you think because so many people are coming off the books in that year, like, is it really is it really is that is that the big gate to see whether we push forward or or we take a step back and, and and perhaps and perhaps that played into Fred's decision that like hey Fred you could even become a bigger piece of that team do you think there's anything to that or it's just the deal that the Raptors were able to swing in their favor I think that if I had to guess the two year deal came from Fred's camp because that's when those 2016 contracts come off the books for everybody and that's when you'll see another jump in the cap and it will be I mean there'll be tons of money to be had and I think if I had to guess, knowing Fred and the kind of mentality he has, I would think that he wants to be back out on the market in 2020 
where he thinks he can command maybe more of a $15, $16 million salary. Right. And what do you think that does for DeLon Wrights? You know, is it, is Fred now our number two guy guaranteed? And what does that happen for DeLon Wright? Like, do you think that he, he he's now the designated number three? Well, Wright has played shooting guard. He played it all last season. So I don't right. think it's ridiculous. That being said, I think his value is greatest as a point guard. That's when defensively he can have his biggest impact. Um, and I just think as a low usage point guard, I think he'd be perfect in kind of that Pat Beverly where he's next to a shooting guard who is, you know, a high-volume guy like a Devin Booker, someone like that. Um, and he also will come up for a contract next season before you kind of have all the cap space available. So it's interesting to me. I wonder what his value is around the league. Um, I would guess maybe a low-end first, maybe – two seconds would be around his value. Um, but I'm not really sure. I think it's not something that they've explored. I think they like DeLon Wright a lot, and he's certainly gotten better as a player. But I think, yes, in some way that this is a vote of Fred Van Vliet over DeLon Wright, although it doesn't necessarily have to be a decision. It certainly makes it more likely that DeLon is gone. Yeah, I would I would agree with that too, which is unfortunate because I, I you know there's so much upside and potential with the lawn, especially with his size and his length. Um, obviously, the decision making always hasn't been there, and uh, shot has also not always been there as well. But you know, I still think he's a really good player. But I think I would almost agree with your assessment that two second rounders is probably his value somewhere in that range. Yeah, and I and. To be clear, I think he's a good player. If I was someone like Phoenix, I would try to get DeLon Wright. I think he I think he could grow as a young point guard next to somebody like that. I just don't know if it's in Toronto. Um, he's 26 years old, so yeah, he he's improved each year he's gotten into the league. But at some level, once you're 26, you kind of are what you are. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if he's anything more than a really good backup or a a very, very low end starter. Yeah. 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 I think so as well. It's just the, just, just that one step too slow, especially in the decision-making. However, yeah, Phoenix would be a great spot for him. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would love to see him next to, like I said, I think a high volume two guard where you can have DeLon Wright kind of focus on defense, use that length. Um, and kind of, and he's a good enough shooter. He's not, anything kind of knocked down. He's not Fred Van Vliet out there, but I believe he shot somewhere around like 36, 37% last year. Um, I can double check here. So yeah, he shot 36.6%. So yeah, a good shooter, um, not knocked down. A lot of those threes were with some time, you know, to shoot. It's not like he was quick releasing any, but I think he's a quality player. I don't think he's necessarily gone. Um, but I would put the chances of him leaving are much higher than they were before the resigning of Fred VanVleet. Yeah, could even be used as a potential like like extra added piece in a trade as well. Like yeah, that that, that could really happen, right? Uh, yeah, I I think if you're a team that's kind of young and has cap space available, I think a Norman Paul Delon Wright trade where you get Delon Wright, you get Norman Paul, and that's kind of the price to give up on Norman Paul. I think that makes a lot of sense. So if it wouldn't shock me if it was something like DeLon Wright, Norman Powell for a second rounder, I think that would be about fair value to get off 
Norman Powell's contract, um, you have to give up an asset like that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, I mean as well. This this is also a good vote for Jonas as well because of the of Bebe's uh, contract not being picked up or not not or, or sorry the offer not being extended to him. Right. Yeah. That's the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is kind of Bebe and his. It looks like the end of his tenure as a Raptor. And kind of, if you think that was the right decision, or what your thoughts were on that? Yeah, it, it's tough because you know, here's here's again. I think I think Bebe, I think both Bebe and Bruno kind of got the short end of the stick because the Raptors got good so suddenly out of nowhere. And he and and he was somebody with such tremendous upside. I actually feel that he has really good court vision. Uh, you know, he's we've seen him give fantastic performances and not so fantastic performances but his defense but his defensive performances have been good unfortunately just never got the reps just never was anything of an offensive threat which is uh except for you know putbacks rebounds um uh you know putting the ball in the net uh when it, it, off of a, off of an assist or off of a drive um however you know i think for the team moving forward they couldn't pick up pick that up they couldn't justify that price especially since they could perhaps get somebody on event minimum or or just just another piece and i mean with the whole we don't know what nick nurse is doing in terms of what he how he wants to play he might not need the services of someone like Bebe, someone who can't stretch the floor jv is commanding a little bit more uh floor present or floor space now that he he can put it down and he can he he will shoot that three so i think that growth in jv over this year and hopefully again nick nurse is thinking about how to utilize jv correctly uh probably lessens the services of with of bebe especially when you consider that Jakob Pertl doesn't really have much of an outside game can't really stretch the floor and and you know again I'm emphasizing stretching the floor because I really feel that's like that's what Nick Nurse is going to do or that's what he wants to emphasize and that and that it's unfortunate but to be honest with you I wasn't very shocked by it I'm totally with you I think I think Baby's a good player I I think he's probably a third center for most teams um I think he's probably a third, maybe a backup center, but I think Toronto just has too many centers at this time. And the fact that I think Serge Ibaka can serve as your third center too. Um, I think at this point in his career, he should be playing some legitimate minutes at center. So if I already have Jonas Valanciunas and I have, um, I'm sorry, Jonas Valanciunas, um, <laughs> um, and I have Yaka Pertl, I don't think... It makes sense to have, and I have Pet or uh, Serge Ibaka. I think there's just one too many big men there, and I think that while he's a great pl- or a good player, a solid player that deserves to be in the league, I don't think his fit with Toronto was ideal. No, definitely not. And uh, I, you know, I'd love to see him on a on a Sacramento Kings or a you know going back maybe Phoenix Suns, like one of these teams where he might potentially have a chance to make it or continue to make it and get that next contract, get that Fred Van Vliet sort of contract, have that breakout. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if it'll necessarily happen in the NBA. He might end he might end up playing overseas, but uh, you know, good culture guy. I think I, you know, I always appreciated him 
being active on being active while sitting on the bench, uh, you know, being being one of those guys. He seemed to really embrace last year as well and, and had a really good time. And I mean, you know, he saved he, he saved a few playoff games here and there, which I, I you know, I'll always appreciate. But um, it just it, it just felt like it was the right time. To, it just like when Bruno was traded, it, it just kind of felt like the right time. It felt like the end of the road for what the Raptors could do with him. And if we're making subtle changes to the perhaps the back end of the roster to get more front end results. It, it, it seems, it seems like a natural move with, the, with, with, with the, you know, the ability to free yourself of a player. It, it just felt natural. Yeah, I agree. And I do just want to mark real quick. It doesn't necessarily mean the Raptors can't bring him back that a qualifying offer wasn't extended. They could still resign him. It's just very unlikely. And I, there really is no reason to not extend the qualifying offer um, unless you thought he was going to accept it and that was too much of a price. So maybe nobody wants him at the veterans minimum, and or if a team does want him at the veterans minimum, Toronto is willing to pay that to him. He comes back with the Raptors. There is still, you know, an outside shot, but I would be surprised if someone doesn't offer him at least something. A little more than Toronto, and I think kind of reading the tea leaves that he is gone. Um, but I do want to throw that qualifier in there that he could return. Um, I, it also, to me, it was interesting that he never really spent as much time with the 905. Um, I know you only have so many people that you can call up and everything like that and sign to a two-way contract. Are you surprised that he didn't s- spend some more time in the 905 kind of developing his game? Yeah, that was actually going to be my my next my next point is that you know with all with all the jumping up and down and 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 the Raptors have I think have done a fantastic job utilizing the 905 to develop players while being a competitive team. It, you, I I understand that he had to say yes, I want to go down, but I would I would have felt that he could have even flourished more in the 905, especially especially get you know learning from someone like Stackhouse over the past few years could have really helped his uh, his more basic uh, pieces of the game fall into place a little bit more. Uh, the 905 is such a is such a fantastic resource, and I, I I I'm not sure who makes that call if it's Dwayne Casey or if it's a or if it's the front office who makes a call and who goes down to the or in the past of course Dwayne Casey but the head coach uh, who makes who makes that call who makes that decision um, but I would have I think I, I I think he was a missed opportunity which goes back to my kind of point when we started talking about this is that you know I kind of feel bad for him in that he, he I feel like he got lost in the shuffle a little bit and Dwayne Casey treated him as more as a last resort or somebody who could potentially come in and and change the game kind of what happened to Norman Powell last year and either that shot his confidence or could have even shot his drive a little bit and his will to and his will to push through and hopefully uh, either a on a different team or maybe even on a on a G League team next year, uh, he 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 finds a spot where he can really grow and really learn some pieces that he's missing to help make better decisions, be in be in better spots, work faster a little bit. But yeah, definitely always surprised to never see his name on the nine hundred five. Right, and you know, it it's tough because I don't want to put too much of a blame on Casey because, I mean, they were playing 10 guys last season. You can't have much bigger of a rotation than that. So I think it speaks to more the Raptors' kind of problem 
they've had is this kind of looming threat of consolidating assets. I think there hasn't been this rush to kind of trade in four quarters for a dollar. And I think it could help us out on the back end if, say, you did package Jakob Pertl and someone else, you get a little more playing time for Lucas Nogueira. And I, perhaps that there's no offers out there, but I think there is kind of this overwhelming feeling that the Raptors have 12 guys who all deserve playing time, and that's tough on an organization. And obviously it's a good thing to have depth, and the Raptors did get incredibly lucky with injuries, which kind of contributed to the fact that there was so little playing time to go around. But it feels like we have about six or seven players who are the seventh best player on a good rotation. Yeah, and it, yeah, I see what you mean in that it, it can be tough to decide what to do, what to make moves. You know, if I if I trade this piece, what am I giving up? What 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 am I gaining back? And 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 when the pieces gel so nicely like the Raptors do, it it can it, it can be an issue. And and but I mean the sign of a good organization, I guess, is always when they make those right calls. Someone like the Boston Celtics, who almost essentially remade their roster in a year, and 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 it's proved wonders for them as well. So I mean, it can be done. And and uh, I think calculated and calculated correct moves will hopefully serve the Raptors in the long run because they have a lot of assets and and I always find it I always find it funny that you know they don't they don't necessarily have as much value as people sometimes find and and or the market says which I always find to be weird because I feel like there's some really great pieces that they that they do have that they could utilize um, if if they wanted to do a bigger trade and maybe and maybe it's contracts maybe it's knowing maybe it's knowing the raptors you know contract situation with some of their bigger players but um yeah 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 a lot of assets and a lot of pieces that they could do things with but uh it just felt like Bay Bay perhaps just you know was a lesser one of those that 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 hopefully and, and they just hope that they can pick something up on the market right yeah i think it's totally understandable and i think that with Nurse wanting to play smaller, you're going to see some of that in the front line, and you're going to see the front line take a hit, and Baby is probably just the first example of that. So, Lastly, I want to talk to you about, um, there was this other free agent player that signed with Los Angeles. He apparently was played pretty well against the Raptors last year. Um, <laughs> the name's escaping me, but... Kind of, what are your thoughts on the Cavaliers totally <laughs> reshifting as LeBron James leaves the East and kind of, I don't want to do, um, I don't want to do how the Lakers are going to be and that doesn't interest me as much as far as the Raptors are concerned. Kind of, what are your thoughts on kind of now how the East shakes up and first of all, the Raptors not being beaten by LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals anymore? Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I. I, I saw this hilarious picture with it. Well, what I think just summarizes it perfectly. It has their has all of their Atlantic Division uh, championship banners, and then there's an extra one added, and it just said LeBron leaves the East. And I, you know, I think I think I, I think it does wonders for the Raptors' confidence, and in their and, and I mean the Raptors sort of took a bet, right, that LeBron might leave the 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 Eastern Conference after after the season with their contract situation now. I definitely, I definitely feel that they're in the top three, and in no, and in no particular order, that's Boston, Philly, and and Toronto. There's the, they, the those three are going to be the three that are 
that are duking it out. And I think that I think for all three of those teams, the confidence level is just the, the potential is just going to rise. And you could see moves happen and, and, and the door is wide open for all three of those teams. Of course, we don't really know what the Boston Celtics are going to look like because we've never seen Gordon Hayward play more than three minutes in a Boston Celtic uniform. And what does that do for all of their other players, their rotations? We have no idea. Obviously, of course, he's a fantastic piece that will fit in really well. But I think the East is more competitive than ever. Those those three teams are so close and and all play vastly different styles of basketball as well. Boston, of course, with their more defensive minded, you know, but with but with some great offensive talent, Philly with the awesome, fantastic talent and, and really raw young talent. And then the Raptors with a more, you know, centered approach to, to, to everything that they do, but with a team, but with a new coach that's looking to push the tempo and play a more modern style of basketball. I love this shakeup. I think that it's, it's really great. Um, I think, I think it's going to give a lot of Eastern conference teams uh, uh, more maneuverability as well Uh, for the Raptors in particular. It, 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 I mean, it really is a godsend. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I know, I know, I know this is most of what it felt like to be uh, with Michael Jordan in that, you know, no matter what, you can't beat him. You just can't get over that hump. You can't get out of the conference. And to see him move is, is, is great for this team. And, and really, it really gives a lot of confidence on the more business and the more fan sided end as well. I think it really is going to help uh, the fan confidence. Uh, with with LeBron being gone, you know he's gone for four years as well, and 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 that's probably his last great uh, window to win as well. With for the Raptors, the 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 future is never brighter, and they can really set up for long term success now. You know, a lot of people took Masai Ujiri's comment that oh we're go- we're we're not going to ever do a culture or sorry a complete tear down of the team we're just going to try to continue to build on what we have to and maneuver to get better as we go along so that we're always competitive uh that makes more sense now because there's a giant hole that can be filled really um you know there's you know there's no the, there's no top team there's no team that you know people will say People will say, oh, they're they're guaranteed to be there. Right. And I mean, even even in the West, that didn't happen last year because a lot of people thought that Houston had an outside chance of doing it. But uh, for 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 the East, it's actually I think it makes it a lot more competitive and hopefully a lot more fun as well um, to to watch the to watch these teams duke it out. And uh, I, I, I find it funny that all of them are. Atlanta conference teams as well because back in the day of course it was the titanic conference where no one was good so i think it just i think it just shows you that you know building correctly and and in the and each team has done it in vastly different ways between boston philly and toronto that we can really see uh great battles next year and you know everybody's going to be circling the calendar for when those teams play each other because those are going to be big shifts uh, and really big opportunities and then of course the uh, the the fourth place the, the 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 team that I consider right now the fourth place team but that's continuing to grow and and really impresses of course the Indiana Pacers and the I think the Pacers really proved that they're they're playing in the right direction so to let to to to, to see that I think is going to be a lot of fun and we could see a lot of a lot of different stars a lot a lot of different people emerge as as great basketball talents. I think that the Raptors, if I had to place them, would be third. 
as far as in the overall hierarchy of the conference, I think that the 76ers, probably just their growth and development, have done enough to surpass us. Um, I think the Boston Celtics gaining their two best players are, yeah, their two best players, I think still, um, gaining them back is enough to surpass the Raptors. But I think the Raptors are within a punching shot of each of them, and I think that they're at least closer to them than they are than the Pacers are to the Raptors. So I think that's a big win um, in every way. And I think that, I mean, not that you ever hope for injuries, but you have Kyrie Irving, who's injury-prone, and Joel Embiid, who's injury-prone. I think that the Raptors have a better shot to win the East than maybe ever. Perhaps last year you could argue that when the Cavaliers were kind of down on their luck, but I think this is one of the Raptors' best bets to win the East, and I think this is exactly why Masai decided not to totally rebuild and move on from Lowry and Ibaka, um, even though those contracts may not look favorable. I think this is exactly why and the fact that he thinks that this is there's a window between when Boston is completely ready and when Philadelphia is ready and when the Cavaliers are no longer contender. And perhaps Boston shortened up that window by becoming better than people thought, quicker than people thought. But I think that it was sound reasoning by Masai to keep this team good in the short term because I do think the Raptors have a shot next year to win the East. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you. There, the Those battles for, for will be close, and I, I think you said it perfectly enough. They, they have a punching chance of doing it. Boston is a very Boston is a very well coached team. I I love Brad Stevens and what he's done with with, with Boston. I think it's I think it's fantastic. Uh, Philly as well is 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 just pure talent. And uh, even you know sure they had a little front office uh, issues issues over the summer, but that's not going to affect on court play at all. And and, and and you know do you think do you think this puts the Cavaliers just like completely out of the playoff picture? They're kind of they they were kind of all in on on uh, on LeBron James and making moves to keep him happy, but they could be they could either be a bottom playoff team or just out of the picture completely for the next little while. I if I had to predict, I'd say they're an eight seed maybe. I'd say end of the lottery. Um, bottom of the playoffs, which is a terrible place to be in when you have a top 10 protected pick. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if I were them, I would try to shed some payroll um, because I'm sure Gilbert doesn't want to be paying that. Although he did make the floor seat season ticket holders re-up in February for three years. So <laughs> that's a way to secure the bag. Um, I would say... <laughs> I would say they should strip it down, but it sounds like they want to keep love, which I think in the Eastern Conference, they're probably an eight seed or a seven seed. Um, but I, once you get past love and you look at who's the second best player on that team, it, I mean, it, it gets dark there. I, maybe Tristan Thompson, maybe, I don't know, maybe Rodney Hood now, if he comes back and plays like he did when he was in Utah. I. I think it'd be wise for them to strip it down to the studs, but I don't think that they will. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that they will either. I think they, 
they they try to maneuver a little bit and, and do a little bit more. Uh, I wonder who like uh, who else can really benefit from and maybe it's an outside maybe it's an outside team someone like Charlotte um, if 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 things go their direction but uh, you you know I I really see some other teams potentially being able to uh, to grow and, and have a shot at it with of course the biggest being at least for me Charlotte yeah I it will be interesting to say um I I'm not too worried about the bottom of the East. I think that we'll kind of see maybe midway through the year a clear picture of that as you start to see either Charlotte tank it tank or you start to see them kind of play up to the contract levels that they have. Um, in regards to the top of the Eastern Conference, Matt, what do you think the Raptors – chances are to get out of the east if you had to handicap it right now handicap it right now with what i know or i mean i mean with the picture that we have today uh ooh, it's tough i i would maybe give them like a 35 percent shot at it i i really i you know not not knowing the style that they're gonna play uh there's a lot of there's still a lot of unknown factors with with the the Raptors that I think are much clearer with Philly and Boston, uh, I would put them. I, I I like you would put them in the third seed. Uh, if I had to seed them right now, I would say it's Boston one, Philly two, Raptors three, and Indiana four. Uh, with a second round exit uh, to Philly right now, I just feel that Ben Simmons' growth is going to be is going to be quite quite significant from last year to this year and uh and a healthy Embiid and a, and an Embiid that looks like he's he, he's he's NBA ready physically um is is a scary proposition uh but there's still a chance and they are not completely out of it I, they they obviously have the most veteran lineup and the most the winningest lineup outside of Kyrie Irving obviously but a lineup that's been together and really understands each other uh, the more I think about Nurse, the more I'm getting excited about seeing seeing the team on the court. And uh, the Raptors, you, you know, the Raptors, the Raptors understand how to win. And going back to our conversation from last week about hopefully Nurse, you know, stirring the pot in the ter- in the correct directions to get a more uh, a team that has more grit and more and more fight to it uh, will hopefully work in the Raptors' favor. Uh, but I still would put their you know, 35% third place seed uh, right now. What about you? Um, well, if we say Boston has a 50% chance, the 76ers have a 35, I think that gives us a 15% chance. Yeah. So I would say probably around there, maybe 10% because you have 5% that something stupid happens and Victor Oladipo <laughs> turns even better than he was and, you know, you never know. I'd say probably 5% chance something crazy happens. But I would say, yeah, 50, 35, 15 is probably fair. 15 to 10 for Toronto. Um, I don't think it's super high, but I think it's worth keeping the team around at that level because, you know, that's a good enough chance. You, the chances in the NBA come infrequently enough that 15% is close enough for you to continue to risk it, in my opinion. 100%. And, I mean... The Raptors have proven to be a very durable team. 
as well. Um, you, you know, where like, like like you mentioned before, Kyrie injury prone, Embiid injury prone, Simmons even you could argue, you know, has has had tough injuries. Whereas nobody on the Raptors has really had tough season-ending injuries. Of course, DeRozan DeRozan has been very durable over his over his career, which I think is a uh, a good testament to the team and uh, hopefully something that we see continuing forward because, you know, you know, injuries are tough and thankfully the Raptors have depth as well, which also work in favor if a freak injury does happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you're talking injuries significantly impact the uh, landscape of the East, I think Toronto's the least likely to be impacted by that. So that's always something kind of to something that I think, fans don't think about enough. I think durability is rarely talked about when people talk about teams and how important a player is. And I think, I mean, that's part of the reason LeBron James is so good, right? Because, I mean, you could see him, his ankle could be broke, he'd pop it back into place and continue to play through the playoffs. I think durability is probably the most underrated factor by fans Um, and, and perhaps even general managers. I think that having a player that's consistently on the court for 82 games is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, outside of LeBron, who I just, I mean, he's just a physical specimen that comes well along once in a generation. I don't know if I, I don't even know if in, I can think of another team around the league that has been not that impacted by, or has been not like, like the least impacted by injuries as the Toronto Raptors. Right. I think you can argue Kyle Lowry was banged up the past couple of years in the playoffs, but I think, you know, that's that happens to every team. I don't think that you can put that just on them. Um, but when you start to look around, like the Warriors have injury concerns, the Rockets have injury concerns with Paul, and, I mean, besides LeBron, you're right, I think, there's a higher chance of injury for just about every competitive team besides the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and uh, that's what I, that's what I like, and that's what I hope that that's what I hope continues because the Raptors medical staff has also been very consistent over the years. I mean, even before, like the medical staff has almost virtually stayed the same. Um, for a long, long time. I mean, even in the Chris Bosh era's era, there really wasn't that many injuries to speak of. So, whatever they're doing, they're they're, they're definitely doing it correctly. And um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, the the Eastern Conference overall, I think, is going to be very fun to watch. The Western Conference as well, because the Western Conference is is more of a is a gauntlet, whereas I think the uh, the Eastern Conference is much more of a uh, of a battle between those top teams, but it's going to be very fun to watch those top teams, and hopefully the uh, the NBA the NBA scheduling gods put it, uh, put those uh, put those matchups in the correct in the correct places because there's going to be a ton of them too with the perceived three best teams being all in the same conference and and uh, having to play having to play each other a bunch. Right. Yeah. It's very top heavy in the Eastern Conference, but I think those three teams are three legitimate contenders for the for the Eastern Conference title. And the Western Conference, well, it appears to be pretty clear up top who the top dog is. When you talk kind of one through eight, it's going to be fun to watch the teams battle for playoff positioning. And, you know, someone's going to be left out. I, 
I got to think Denver's going to expect to make the playoffs, and they missed it last year. And if I got to think LA is expecting to make the playoffs with LeBron James, so that means two playoff teams in the West are going to be out. So it'll be fun to watch all around uh, both leagues, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The I know we didn't want to talk about the Western Conference because it doesn't really pertain to the Raptors, but yeah, yeah. There's a uh, there there there's big movement out there. So. Uh, uh, you know, all, all the more opportunity, though, for the Eastern Conference. I don't think by any means that just because LeBron is, isn't there that the Eastern Conference, like, you know, some people are saying the Eastern Conference isn't even worth watching. The Eastern Conference is still very exciting, uh, albeit, like you said, a little top-heavy. But but that's okay. That makes for that still makes for exciting basketball. And, you know, for teams that are jockeying for those playoff positions in the East, like someone like, like you know, I, I, I would fully expect Detroit to be in there now as well. Um I mean, I mean, I mean, they, they they have an interesting team. It's going to be interesting to see what Casey does with with that group and what he can push through. But uh, yeah, no, there's still there there's still a lot of intrigue in the East, and with LeBron not being there, I think that intrigue almost goes up because again, a freak accident could happen or something could uh, transpire that really reshapes the reshapes what what goes on in the eastern conference for the entire year i mean the gordon Hay- gordon hayward's a perfect example of that really that what would have happened if he didn't get injured you know so um yeah yeah i think i think i think the more the 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 the, the gauntlet the, the the excitement of the western conference is the gauntlet and the psych the excitement of the eastern conference is the improbability of what could happen that could reshape the entire conference for the for the year yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Matt, I think that should about do it for us. So thank you yep. again for joining me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, hope to talk soon. All right. Bye.